from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Here on today's broadcast, Wednesday, November 29th of the great year 2017. Very excited to be here with you. We're here every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time right here on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt and on wakeupcalldt.com's homepage. As we always do, every single show is the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner, 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA. It is the home of the Dan Tortora Special, Belgian waffle cut in half filled with bacon, egg, and cheese. It is my spin on the breakfast sandwich, and it is available to you every single day of the week exclusively at the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York. First up in today's morning menu is going to be Mike Wheeler of the OCC Lasers women's basketball team. And then coming up in just a little while, around 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time, Jason Leone of men's basketball for the Oswego State Lakers will join us. And in the second hour of the show, we'll talk college football a little bit and college basketball as well. And we'll get into my one-on-one conversations with Syracuse's Tyus Battle, Frank Howard, Barama Sidibe, and O'Shea Brissett. So, very excited about today's show and the morning menu and everybody that will be gracing the stage. First and foremost with Mike Wheeler. Mike, how you doing today? Dan, how are you? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And, and Mike, first and foremost, I know that that you uh, you and I had, had spoken about it earlier on this week, that, that on the court, off the court, things uh, a little bit crazy. How's the family doing? How are the kids? Uh, family's doing great. Just uh, we're a little limbo right now. Just sold sold the uh, starter home house a, a few months back, and uh, we're looking for the upgrade into the big family house and uh, just uh, having some issues finding the big family house. So uh, we'll, we're, we're going to be in limbo here for a little bit, but all is good. When you look at uh, you know the the upcoming part of the season, I mean, there's there's so many games to be played as you move forward here in your schedule. But what have you learned so far from the games that you have played at this point? I know the team is six and one. I know you've won four in a row at, at home, three and one on the road, three and zero. Oh. What have you taken away from these first seven? Well, you know what we're looking right now is it's it's a good start for us. Um, and you know our only blemish is to the fifth-ranked team in the country, um, and we had the lead throughout um, until late in the fourth quarter, um, where we got into some foul trouble, um, and we ended up losing 92-85 to the fifth-ranked team in the country. Great game. Um, so I, 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 I'm very happy with where we are as a basketball team right now. Um, what, what's kind of you know what's what's tough on us right now is the big layoff that we have between games. You know we played two games in 21 days. Um, and until our next matchup this Saturday at North Country, um, so it's it's kind of like you have to you have to keep the kids fresh. You have to keep uh, you have you have to have them on the ball, and you know, and it gets to a point where they don't really want to practice anymore. They want to play games, you know. So um, you're trying to do different things in practice to keep them um, focused and uh, 
I think with us, that's really the biggest challenge, and, and we're we're uh, we're trying to get through the rest of this week so we can um, tip off on Saturday afternoon at North Country. And like you said, when when you have that that big gap and that big break, you know, you guys had been playing games so closely from November second, fourth, fifth in that string to the ninth and the eleventh to the nineteenth and the twenty first. To have that gap in between, you know, some coaches discuss scheduling and and say, hey, there, there's nothing you can do about it. it. It is what it is. And other coaches say, you know, we'd like to see some changes if possible and some adjust, adjustments to it. Where do you stand on scheduling when you have that kind of tournament opportunity and tournament mentality where there's, uh, you know, two games in three days or two games you know, in four days or something like that, three games in five or three and six, and then the gap happens what can you say about scheduling and, and kind of where your stance is on how sometimes maybe it feels like it works out for the team and other times it doesn't? Well, with our scheduling, um, Dan, it's it's tough because we have a region regional scheduling, um, which is kind of already set in stone every year. So, you know, if you're home one, one year, you're away the next, and it falls around that same day that you played on. So that's pretty much set. The only thing that we have control over um, in our scheduling uh, um, aspect is to uh, add non-conference opponents, to add uh, Division II teams that aren't on our schedule the prior year. Um, so we try and do our best to fit in the gaps that are spaced out between our regional schedule. Um, but if um, you know if you're unable to do that, um, then it's tough because you got to also look at their schedule, the team you're trying to sign. And if they have games in that period and, and you're looking for a game in that period, then you got to look somewhere else. And sometimes it just falls that way. This has probably been the most inconvenient scheduling season that we've had. Um, and hopefully, as we go into the future, um, we'll try and do a better job at um, you know fixing it so we're not playing two games in 21 days and then playing five games in eight days. Um, so, you know, sometimes you're just, you know, it just happens. Um, you're at the mercy of the scheduling process and, uh, this year we're, we're definitely taking taking that but I, I got to say just the kids have responded real well just you know to be six and one and to have so much um, time um, apart um, we, we they do a good job at, at getting themselves ready to play when we play and, and I'm looking for the same thing this weekend when we have two games um, that they should be able to you know step on the floor and, and tip it off and, and play just like you know when we were playing two games in four days. That coming from Mike Wheeler, OCC women's basketball head coach for the Lasers. Uh, Mike, to to go back to something that you had mentioned a little while ago here was that the only loss that the team has this season is to is seven points to the fifth-ranked team in the country. Go back to that game on November 5th that was played here in Syracuse at home at OCC. Just, just what your big takeaways were, obviously hanging tough and, and having the lead, like you said, for a good portion of the game, that – obviously can pay off dividends even though you don't get the victory there's a lot to build off of from that but what were the bullet points in the locker room after a game like that with the fifth ranked team in the country despite the loss well I told the kids I said you know you're you you, you, you can never as, as a basketball coach or, or any type of coach or, or any team you're never happy with a loss because you don't you don't want to lose any games. You know, you want to win. You're competing every game, like, to win the game. So there, there isn't ever any um, great loss or good loss. Um, but I said that to him in the locker room. I said, you know, I said, girls, I says, this was, this was good for us. 
I said it's an early season loss against a top five team in the country. Um, you know, and, and, and I compare it to anything. You know, I compare it to um, – you can throw out Michigan State, North Carolina the other night. You know, Michigan State throttles North Carolina. Now, do you want to go out and get throttled? I don't think that's the case. But I think if you're losing to a, a third or fifth-ranked team in the country and, and it's early in the season, you have that much time to figure out what you need to do to get better. And I, and I told them that. I, you know, we turned the ball over 28 times against a team that full-court pressed us for 40 minutes. And, you know, I... I said to him, Dan, I says, these girls didn't know. I go, but um, Nolan Richardson back with Arkansas used to have a full-court press, and, and they used to call call it 40 minutes of disaster. And, I mean, they, they used another word, but I'm not going to use it. But, I mean, uh, you know, that's what I felt like we were facing, 40 minutes of just constant pressure. And they turned the ball, we turned the ball over 28 times, and we still lose by seven. You know, I, I, give, I give a lot of – credit to our kids for, for, for battling through that. And, um, you know, many times they went on a seven, nothing run and we, we cut the lead to one or we took the lead back and, you know, it was a great game to watch. It was up tempo and anytime two teams are scoring, you know, uh, you know, a hundred and, you know, what is it? 90, 85, you know, that 92, 85, that's a lot of points. Um, and it, it's fun to watch and, um, you know, and, and the, take away from that i just told him i said you know it's it's never great to lose anything but the fact that that we lost to a fifth ranked team in the country early in the season our third game i said you know says a lot for us because they're still there you know and, and they're still winning games and, and they're beating people by 40 50 points um so it was a great takeaway for us um and moving forward that's what i'm going to use um you know as, as we can get better I want to I want to go to one of the one of the scrimmages you had because you had a bunch to start off the season. Oswego State, an NCAA Division three team, with a new head coach, with Tracy Bruno having stepped away from the program up at Oswego. What did you take away from that game? What did you learn from from that one? Because obviously Oswego is a team that's that's covered a lot here, like OCC on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, and I know they're going through a transitionary period, so. What did you take from that game? Well, I'll tell you what. Sean Sean's a, a, a great guy, and, and he's a great head basketball coach. He's a, he's a great coach. Period. Um, and, and I thought they they found a really um, a really good thing with him. Um, and I think he's he's a perfect fit for that position. Um, Tracy was a great basketball coach as well. Um, but I, I think what he is going to um, do up there um, is is great things. Um, and then I'm excited for him. Um, they. Um, you know, we went up and, you know, they're in a little transition stage and well, a big transition stage when you, when you lose your head coach and go into another head coach and these kids, most of them are his, these are kids he's getting back from, from prior years. Um, so he has to, you know, put his system in and implement his stuff. Um, and he has to, you know, these kids got to believe in his system and it's, that's hard to do in the first year. Um. I was very impressed with what he what he did in, in our um, exhibition game, um, and they, you know, they competed uh, with us, and um, you know, at the end, I, I, you know, they, they they beat us by a few points, and you know, it's something in the past that we've had success against Oswego State in scrimmages and ex- ex- exhibition game, um, and he was he was without one of his starting guards and one of his starting forwards, which which says a lot. So these kids were playing for him, and I'm, I'm for us. 
you know, to go in and get that kind of experience against a Division three team and, and a program that, that's like that, um, it, it's it's great for us because it makes us better. Um, and that's why you set these games up. We've been playing Oswego State for, for the last 10 years, um, last 12 years, you know, and I think that's that's good for us. Um, and, you know, it, it says a lot for, for us and our program. It says a lot for their program. You know, we're, we're a top, you know, top three team in, in – the NJCA Region Three, and and they're they're a great program in, in the SUNYACs. Uh, so that's what I enjoy doing. I enjoy playing against the SUNYAC team that's competitive and playing the Cortland States and the Brockports and the, the Geneseos um, and, and all those and Oneanas and you know this that that's good for us. Um, but um, I'm excited for what what their program has to bring in in the future with Sean behind them. Mike, uh, speaking here with Mike Wheeler, OCC Lasers women's basketball head coach. Before I let you go, I, I want to take a look at the fact that coming up after you will take some time on the road, like you said, coming up this weekend, Saranac Lake, New York for North Country Community College and Plattsburgh, New York for Clinton Community College. After that, you'll be back at home in Syracuse, but not in Allen Hall. You'll be at the SRC Arena and Event Center for three straight games against Hudson Valley Community College, Herkimer County Community College, and SUNY Adirondack, respectively. And now that you've had a a few seasons to do this, I wanted to get your thoughts on Allen Hall, SRC Arena. If you feel like SRC should be the home, if Allen Hall is is that nostalgia that you – appreciate i mean how how you balance the two because i know they're they're both next to each other they're both on campus it's it, it's the same building it feels like because you're just walking back and forth but what you can take away as a head coach between the allen hall games and the src arena games and and just what the what the dynamic feels like for you well then there's a there's a few points um with with both facilities is the fact that um the atmosphere for a basketball game, um, I, I feel, is a huge part of um, you know the the fan base that getting getting involved and um, and I feel like you know SRC Arena is a, a seven thousand or sixty five hundred seat arena um, and you know you put three hundred fans in there, um, two fifty three hundred fans in a big game for us and. It's it's a tough you know environment where you're you're not it's not as loud as what it would be in Allen Hall where you put two fifty or three hundred in um, that's you're gonna get you're gonna get loud you know hard to hear in Allen Hall just because of the atmosphere so because of the, you know the um, environment smaller and um, I enjoy that aspect of it um, the other side of it is playing in both facilities is is you're playing in an SRC arena and the depth perception becomes a problem. You know, kids shooting in Allen Hall for most of the entire season and then they drop into to SRC and you're taking shots in that kind of environment as well and the depth perception is just different. You know, the girls have always, they enjoy playing in SRC arena, but that they they would like, they like their home floor in Allen Hall just because of the environment, the way, how, how smaller it is and, um, not small, but they, and the opportunity that they have to um, to shoot the ball a little bit better. It's tough. It's tough to shoot um, in SRC, um, and um, you know they we, they prefer that Allen Hall is is their home floor. Um, so if we had a preference to which we want to call our home floor, I would say we we, we like Allen Hall um, as our home floor, just because um, that's a, a true home. 
when you look at you know balancing the two and, and playing in both, do you like the dynamic of still having both? I mean, would you like to just dedicate to Allen Hall, or do you like the fact that you can kind of just walk down the, the hallway, so to speak, and, and get a few games in there at times during the season? I like it. I like it the way it is because this way the kid, the girls get an opportunity to play in both facilities. But you know we can go back to Allen Hall, which if we're, we're holding a playoff game or we're holding that's where we want to play is our playoff games in there because that's really our home court. And and in conclusion here for for today's opportunity that we have with Mike Wheeler, OCC Lasers women's basketball head coach, just what you could say about the leadership on this year's team and, and what your takeaways have been. I know that each season we discuss the women's basketball team as far as, you know, who's kind of stepped out for you. And, and it's a, a different dynamic when it comes to OCC because you only have opportunities for a couple seasons outside of any injury. You only have a couple years with these young women and, and an opportunity to see them grow and excel before they move forward and, and potentially find their next chapter in their basketball life. So just what you could say about leadership right now, I know that you have a bunch of freshmen. I know you have a bunch of sophomores as well. It seems relatively balanced when you look at it on paper, but what's your takeaways have been? Well, you know, I did something different this year. Um, and it's first time in 17 years um, as head coach. I, I just I did something different. I left I left the sophomores in charge of the, of the basketball team. This is their team. You know, there's their sophomores and just similar to, um, letting seniors, you know, run the team, you know, and I just, you know, every practice I put someone else in the middle of one of the sophomores to lead stretches, and then uh, before each game, I throw a different sophomore in to, to take, you know, you know, all the rules and, and everything like that with the officials, and I have found it so far, it's been very good because it's not two people that are responsible for, for the basketball team or or lead things, I'm, I'm giving it to a group, and they're leading by example. Um, so, so far, the change that I made, I, I, I enjoy it. I think it's, 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 a, it's been a good choice so far, and I'm happy with it. And, you know, we still are just through a quarter way of the season, so we'll see how the rest of the season goes. But, you know, so far I'm happy with giving the leadership to the sophomores, and they've taken a big role in it. They've taken um, ownership in it. And I told them in the beginning of the year, this is your basketball team. I want you to take ownership in it. I want you to lead and, and really look yourselves in the eyes and say, this is what we need to do. Um, and I think they've done a great job so far. You know, you're, we're off to a six and one start and you know, they're, they're balancing everything together as a unit and it's great. It's really good. And to, and like you said, you know, letting them kind of run it and letting it be the team for the sophomores and, and let them oversee it with you on the sideline, Bill Motto, he's been around with you for a while, the assistant women's basketball coach. You've spoken very highly of him in the past, and I know that he means a lot to you. And there's there's kind of been that notion, I think, at times of, you know, how long is he going to be there? Will you wake up a day and, and he says, hey, you know what, Mike, you know, this has got to be my last go around, but he's still there on the sidelines with you. What does that mean to you? Uh, it's, you know, it's, it, it's great to have Bill. Um, I mean, he's, you know, him and I are, you know, not only is he my assistant coach, but, you know, he's he's been there with me for eight years. He's been my longest tenured assistant coach and uh, my 17 years. And um, it's great to have um, someone that's stable and, and knows your system and knows me as a coach. And, you know, and not only that, we're, we're close off the floor. We're, you know, I consider him like family to me. And, you know, we're, we're just 
we're, you know, we're, we're like best friends and we're, we're, you know, I'm sure you ask him that, he'd probably say, there's no way we're best friends. We're farthest between that. But, um, you know, we have our, uh, you know, we have our ups and downs, but you know, the fact that we, you know, we coach well together and we, when we disagree with things, we talk it out, you know, like, should we do this? Should we do that? Um, you know, he, he controls most of our, you know, subbing, you know, he, he controls, you know, when he sees kids that are tired and need a break or we have foul trouble, he's throwing somebody in there. I, I give him that control so he can, he's able to do that. Like, you know, cause you know, I'm concentrated on what we're doing out there on the floor. I'm, I'm concentrated on, you know, what, what things are happening, you know, what, what kind of game plan we're putting in, what, what, what this and that. Um, so he's just a huge help and a huge asset to our program. And, you know, I don't think about the day, you know, um, you know, he's kind of, comfortable where he is right now and i think uh things are being more he's more acceptable to um where he's at so i'm not gonna think about when the day comes when it does i you know i've always thought about it i have to figure something out and um i have also have you know kelly grinnell's my assistant coach as well and you know she's a young um fiery um full of information um very um you know well organized and that's the other thing is you know having someone to help you organize because as a head coach you're all over the place and I'll be the first one to tell you that's that's me as a as a personality trait I'm all over the place and um, she keeps me grounded as well um they just both do a great job um, so there's there's opportunities and options after bill but you know we're, we're not thinking about that right now we want to we want to win the national title together and you know we're we've been so close you know a few years ago we were right there and you know we got an opportunity to, to, to get back there and that's uh, that's our main goal right now as a as a coaching staff. That coming from Mike Wheeler, OCC women's basketball head coach for the Lasers. Mike, as always, you know I appreciate the time. I appreciate the work you're putting in. I know you have a busy weekend on the road, and then you're back at home at the SRC. And I look forward to seeing you soon, and obviously having you back on the broadcast very shortly. Dan, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, I'll talk to you soon. That coming from Mike Wheeler, OCC Lasers women's basketball head coach. The team is currently 6-1. and one. They do not lose many games, folks. The only game that they've lost, like Mike said, was to the fifth-ranked team in the nation. And they lost that game by seven at home. So, you know, big game here. for the Even, even in the loss, I look at it and say, you know, and, and Hostos, when you look at that game, you know, Hostos is the, is the team that they lost to. High-scoring contest, a bunch of lead changes in this game. And when you're looking through the matchup, like Mike said, that they held the lead for a good portion of it. Britain led the Lasers with 26 points. Multiple players that had 20 or more points for the Onondaga Lasers women's basketball team. So it's not just a little bit here and a little bit there or an opportunity for the win to come from one or two to come out of one player or two players or one person did a good job, but the rest of the team fell apart. The lasers hang hung tough in this game. They fought in this game against Hostos and they ended up losing the game by seven points at home at Allen hall in Syracuse, New York for the only loss of the season against the fifth ranked team in the nation in the Onondaga community college classic. So a massive, massive opportunity for OCC and and a beautiful, beautiful game that they played. And despite the loss, I mean, you have to give credit where credit is due and just see the fact that this is a team that 
wants to go up again. If you want to, if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. You know, that's something that people say, but when it comes from Mike Wheeler, I mean, those are words that, that definitely make sense in connection with Mike. If you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. And they went up against, and to have that early test and to know what it feels like against the top five team in the country and to know what it feels like to have to push yourself to, to these, these high, high expectations to have to score 20 plus from multiple different players to have these lead changes back and forth and see if you can withstand the test of time. You know, this seven point loss, as opposed to, I mean, when you look at, and and like Mike brought up with Hostos and, and what they're, what they've done so far this season and other games that they played in, they've won, 95 to 34, 119 to 28, 94 to 42, 70 to 41. You know, you look at you look at some of these matchups and the closest games that they played this season were against UConn, Avery Point and OCC. And then they have in wins and then they have two losses, one to Lackawanna College by 5 and then one to ASA College by 19. So there was a team that, that bested them there, but team winning 94 to 42, 94 to 34, 95 to 34, and 119 to 28. So that's how they're playing up against teams and OCC faces them and loses by seven. So it says a lot about where OCC is at this season. And like Mike said, you know, there's there's no qual I mean, you don't look at a loss and say, well, that's, you know, that was that was a good way to lose or a good this or a good that, but you build off of it as a teachable moment. Nobody likes to lose, but you could definitely teach from that game against Hostos and how they played against them. And then like Mike said, to look at the rest of the records, you know, to look at the rest of the season for Hostos and see how they played against other teams, embarrassing teams by a 90 point win, a 60 point win. So, you know, that, that does say something that they were able to hang tough with Hostos, and if they see them again, if they see anybody down the road again that they're not used to, they have games like that, which is why you play those games. It's why you give your team those opportunities. You play up against teams that you don't face every single year because you want to know where you stand with the rest of the country. You want to know where you are if you have to play a team down the road that you've never seen before. So I commend Mike on having games like that. And I commend the team on the effort that they put in. As a broadcaster, I can look at it and say that despite losing the game, they should learn a lot from that game and learn a lot from the fact that they pushed Hostos to the brink as opposed to just laying down and rolling over like it looks like other teams did when you look at the score. And I'm sure that those teams fought hard but didn't have anything to stack up against them. Where Mike said, you know, we were pressed the entire game. The entire game. It was just a constant and consistent press, which can be very exhausting after three minutes, let alone an entire matchup. So to what the young women were able to do against Hostos, OCC, in that only loss of the season, something to build off of. And all the other games, victories over Sullivan County Community College, Schenectady County Community College, Fulton Montgomery Community College, Columbia Green Community College, and Erie Community College. They played three of those wins at home, and the other three came on the road. And pardon me, Genesee Community College was their first game. So three wins on the road, three at home, one loss at home. So the team pretty even here when you look at being able to take care 
of games in front of their home crowd at Allen Hall, as well as when they head on to the road and face off against teams in unfamiliar territory or familiar territory with fans that are not going to be that kind. So congratulations to their start so far at 6-1, and one, and they will have games this weekend on December 2nd and 3rd, North, Con- North Country Community College in Saranac Lake at 1 p.m. on Saturday. And at noon on Sunday, they will face off against Clinton Community College in Plattsburgh, and then they'll be at home for December 6th, 9th, and 10th inside of the SRC Arena and, and Event Center. So if you haven't seen the OCC women's basketball team, go out and see them when they return home December 6th, 9th, and 10th. Go hang out and see them play. And uh, a lot of the opportunities provided by OCC, obviously, when the team is playing at home, the men's game is following right after. So you can see OCC's men's and women's basketball teams. And a big shout-out to Eric Cerrone, as he moves forward with the basketball program. We'll take a step aside for a fast break and come back with, speaking of men's basketball, Jason Leone of Oswego State in just a moment. This is a wake-up call fast break. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvalanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrysigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrysigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, Command yourself to feel comfortable in Drysig Lady Apparel. D R E I S S I G Lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing and don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay at home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DrysigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, lady.com. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513, or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name, so give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down? 
This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. The Market Diner prides itself on bringing the local community fresh ingredients that are better than going elsewhere. Open for breakfast, served all day, lunch and dinner with daily specials. The Market Diner is located at the Regional Market on Park Street, right across from Destiny, USA. For takeout, call 315-474-5247. The Market Diner. Local. Fresh. Better. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Happy to have you here on the broadcast and appreciate you tuning in every single Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time with key segments like the Ingredients to Success brought to you by Utica Pizza Company on Tuesdays, through the Looking Glass brought to you by Looking Glass Events Event Planning Company on Thursdays. And, of course, the annoying moment of the week, sound bites of the week, happening on Fridays, fantasy football going on right now, and so much more. You just heard before the fast break from Mike Wheeler of the OCC women's basketball team for the Lasers. And now we switch gears, we stay on the court, but head over to men's basketball and a good friend at Oswego State, and that is Jason Leone of the men's basketball program for the Lakers squad, and I'm happy to have him back here on the broadcast. Feels like it's been too long. Jason, how are we doing today? Doing great, Dan. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And Jason, first and foremost, we were discussing it off the air a little bit. Uh, you said you're in a place right now as as a head coach that you haven't been before, unfamiliar territory. And, you know, I, I know that two things can happen in unfamiliar territory. It can either cause you to go into the corner and curl up in a ball, or it can cause, you know, unfamiliar territory can breed success. I know that you're the type of person that when adversity hits, you look to breed success. So what are you learning from the one and three start at this point? Well, so far, Dan, we, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're just like a lot of teams. We're trying to figure out our identity. Uh, and, uh, we, I, I know what it needs to be, but uh, trying to convey that to a bunch of uh, younger players and new players uh, and, and guys who are veteran players who are in significantly new roles uh, is a challenge, you know. So, um, and we're doing that. We're taking on that challenge while playing 12 of our thir- first 13 games away, away from, away from home. So that's a, that's a challenge. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, we're, but our guys have really battled. They're doing well. Um, you know, we, I really like the way that we played in particular last night in the second half of our game where we didn't, where we didn't give up. Um, so, you know, we're, we're doing some really good things. And so. when, when you look at that, Jason, uh, you had, you had just made mention of scheduling and the fact that, you know, you are on the road for so many games. You've been in Elmira for two in the Elmira tip off tournament, Potsdam, Rochester, you'll be going to Cortland, Buffalo, Fredonia, Canton, Utica for the Utica College t- Tournament, New Paltz, Oneana, and then all of a sudden you get to feel what it's like to be home for a little bit, but it's going to be a while. I spoke with Mike Wheeler about scheduling and and how that can affect things. I know that, you know, as a coach, you don't use it as a crutch, but what can you say about scheduling and the fact that, you know, the team has to get used to just constantly in your situation – constantly 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 practicing at home going on the road practicing at home going on the road and doesn't really get that opportunity to be in front of the 
the the home crowd outside of December 5th coming up against Oneana, it's going to be a while. So just what you could take away from from scheduling and the woes that maybe that causes in a season. Well, I made the schedule, so we're not going to cry <laughs> about that. Nobody has to look any further than right here with that. So, uh, you know, the way it works in scheduling at, 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 uh, you know, at our level, I can speak intelligently about is we've got nine home games and nine road games in our league. That's consistent every year. And then we've got seven non-league games. Um, we have a tournament uh, that we rotate with another school every every year so us and Elmira College have a, a tip-off tournament one year it's at our place the next year it's, it's at theirs uh, this is the year that it falls on where we play at their we play the two games at their place uh, so that's you know 11 on the road and that just you know it just so fell uh, with our schedule that um, this was a year where we had all of our non-conference games on the road and part of that was like a year ago um, when I felt like we had a group of seniors that could do something special, which did end up happening, you know, we played uh, 14 out of 25 at home, you know, and then counting the conference tournament, we had 16 home games last year out of the 27 that we played, which is a very fortuitous schedule, you know, not that I didn't think that we were going to be, you know, successful this year, but I just, I had a group of guys that was together for three, four years uh, that, that, went to three straight NCAA tournaments and I felt like last year we wanted to have a little bit more of a fortuitous opportunity and you know that the trade-off with that is that this year you know we play a lot of road games so you know nobody's going to feel sorry for us um you know we've had the type of success here thus far where you know we're circled on everybody's schedule every night and um, teams have played that way against us uh and and our guys have been um you know Thus far, they're learning how to play with that that uh, X on their back, um, and and you know we've showed some signs of breaking out of this, but uh, it's just going to take some time. And I told them in the locker room last night, I haven't given up on them. And um, this is a very small sample size. You know, Jim Beheim said in one of his press conferences a couple of years ago, um, you know, we you don't judge players, coaches, teams based on a snapshot. You know, and I told them they feel a lot worse if we were playing this way at the end of the season and I don't think that'll be the case with this team we'll continue to improve as the year goes on when you said Jason <clears throat> in the locker room that you know you didn't you you looked at the team and said you know I haven't I haven't given up on you guys yet you know I I don't believe that is is there any is is there any any time where you would turn around and you know a coach a coach could give up on a team or, you know, you know what I mean? Because you see more in this team. You, you see that one in three, it's such a small sample size and a snapshot. But when you look at them and say, you know, I haven't given up on you yet. How is the team's response to that? And do you feel like something like that can boost a team at this point? Well, it wasn't really a motivational speech. It was how I felt. And, and I, and I said, I haven't given up on you. We, I would never give up. I don't care if we're 0 and 25. I would never give up on our guys. So to be honest with you, this is a challenge that we have to embrace. And, and, uh, I'm excited about it. You know, quite frankly, the last three, three, four years, I've had a core group of guys that took care of a lot of things. And this team, quite frankly, probably needs, uh, needs me a little bit more from the standpoint of like, you know, I've, we've, we've got it. We're talking about things like how to prepare each day for practices and games and, um, how to handle losing, you know, and, uh, how to handle winning, you know, and, uh, you know, quite frankly, this, 
this this our returning guys didn't experience a whole lot of adversity last year. A because we didn't lose a lot, and B because our our seniors really took care of a lot of that stuff. You know what I mean? So um, we're not that far off. We've played a, a very very challenging schedule, not just from playing on the road, but who we've played. You know, um, so and we've played well in spurts. So. You know, my, my thoughts to the players are just look at, like, you know, they're they're built in a way where, um, and it's a good quality, they really want to win. And, um, you know, when we win, it's it, it's extreme jubilation, which is really good. They should celebrate wins. But when we've lost, which has been three of the four games, you know, they the, the, I've got to make sure that they are resilient and, uh, and teach them how to do that because, quite frankly, they haven't had a ton of, uh, experience with that and all of them have come from winning programs so um we're just we're trying to figure out some things and, and like a lot of teams are you know we just have got to get through this stretch and then you know we gotta we gotta rebound and and we will we will we're, we got a new beginning start saturday our conference starts at Cortland, and uh that's really what we're playing for is is positioning in our conference speaking here with jason leone suny oswego lakers men's basketball head coach and and jason to look at, like you said, the team last season wasn't wasn't used to losing that much, and you were in a position where the guys coming back were coming off of a twenty-one and seven season, fifteen and three in the conference, and winning is a good thing, obviously, and, and winning helps you to feel success and no success and want more of it, but you just showed the other side of it, where winning and then losing and you're not used to that. You come from winning programs in high school. You come to college. You're used to winning. You get 20-plus wins on the season. How have you seen the team? I know it's only been four games, but like you said, I got to make sure that they're focused and I keep them up. The The good side of winning is, is obviously moving forward and having longevity in the season. You win and win and win, and you have an opportunity to go to the tournament inside of your conference, the NCAA tournament, and from there – but the other side of it is if you're so used to winning and that loss comes, it could be debilitating. How do you keep the team focused? How have they responded to something that could knock them down a peg or two? Have you seen them, even in a one and three start, say, you know what, coach, I may not be used to this, but I can't. <laughs> as much as I'm not used to this, I'm going to feel it today, but I don't want to feel it tomorrow. Have you seen some resiliency in this? Well, that's been a little bit of a problem, quite frankly, is that, you know, we, we, we have, we, we haven't dealt with it great. Um, but we, our, our practices have been inconsistent, you know, and, and how, how do I, and answer your question, how do I deal with it? You do a lot of teaching, you know, I do a lot of, you know, we meet a lot, uh, you know, on an individual basis. I think it's important that players, um, feel like they're receiving individual attention from their coach, uh, the way that, you know, the millennial generation, so to speak, uh, is these days. I've done a lot of research on this just, you know, uh, because I think communication is such an important quality to have these days, especially as a head coach. Um, they need to know, you know, why we're doing things and what's important and where they fit into the whole equation, you know. And a lot of coaches that I worked for that are a little bit more old school might – 
not believe in that, but I, you know, I do, you know, I, I think that it's important that, you know, you, you, you communicate with your guys and both collectively and on an individual basis. We're doing a lot of those types of meetings to try to bring them along and teach, you know, uh, and then from a basketball side of things in practice every day, we're trying to make things as competitive as possible to put them in positions where they have to handle, um, you know, playing from behind, they have to handle, uh, playing from ahead and, uh, you know, those, those are just a few of the things that we're doing to try to get them uh, used to uh, all these things. But, but again, it's, it's a very small sample size, and we have played a very challenging schedule. So I don't, you know, and, and quite frankly, it's not all us. You know, we've had some teams that have played really, really well against us. Um, you know, we played Elmira College, who, who hasn't had, uh, you know, great records in the past, but they came out and shot 16 out of 24 for against us from the three-point line. Now, part of that is our defense, but I think, you know, I joked around with a couple of, of my st- my assistants. I said, if we went out and played five on zero and just ran our offense in practice like most teams do every day, I don't know if we make 16 out of 24 from three. You know what I mean? And we're, we're a good shooting team, you know, so that – so, you know, we, we've had some teams that have – you know, played very, very well against us. Um, so it's not all us, you know, sometimes the other team plays really well too. And, and, you know, we've got to communicate that with our guys as well. You know, when you look to, like you said, you know, you want to see the team respond a little bit better. Is there leadership that you can look to? Are there, you know, a few guys on this team that you can pull aside and say, you know, Hey, I could do so much, but when you're in class or you're walking through campus and whatnot, you know, I need I need you guys to really be able to you know carry some of this as well and, and help the team out. Do you have that leadership this year? Do you have people that you can lean on? Yeah, yeah, yes. Our our, our four seniors are, are good people. They're they're going to graduate on time and do some good things with their their lives. And and I you know I genuinely enjoy, regardless of what our record is, I enjoy spending time with these guys away from basketball. We have a we have a very good relationship and we both we do a lot for each other you know what i mean so um you know our four seniors ian shep and lewis avellino and, and josh ivy and your therapy are all just quality people you know so they're they've they've been and it's like all my teams you know we, we are a very senior reliant uh program uh, i count on those guys to run the locker room for me when i'm not there and um you know we're They've, they've done a good job so far, you know, and, and at our level, you've got to rely on those guys because we're not allowed to work with our teams during the off season. So those guys, <clears throat> a big part of their role is making sure that our guys are getting into the gym and doing what they're supposed to be doing during the off season. So uh, those guys did a very good job of that during the fall. And to this point during the, their year, they've had to do a lot more than maybe my past senior classes have done just because we are so new and uh, we're trying to get, you know, get some guys uh, through this initial part of the season where we're, you know, at the end near exams and we're playing a lot of road games, and they've, they've done a good job so far. Jason, when, when I look at your record and where, what you've done with the Lakers, going into the season you were 77-31 and 31 as far as your 71.3% winning percentage goes. You have a career record of 195 wins to 83 losses, 19th nationally and second in the East region, for career win percentage, which is 70% among all active Division three coaches for NCAA men's basketball. When you look at those numbers and you see that, 19th nationally 
And then looking at what you've done with the Lakers with 77 wins to 31 losses coming into the season, and now it's 78-34, so still strong, very strong when you look across the board. What do those numbers say to you about you know those long nights and sitting up at your desk and drawing up plays and figuring things out and you know watching film and, and the nightmares of some games that haunt you and the positives of other games that make you proud? What can you say when you look at those numbers? And I know that you're a guy that, that tries to give credit to others and, and doesn't really talk about yourself a lot. And when I tell you strong numbers, you kind of push it off a little bit. But this is something to be proud of. So what can you say about maybe building off of this? And if you have those moments of adversity like you're having this season, to kind of go back in your career and say, listen, I've had adversity before and look at what I did with it. Well, I mean, the the numbers are a product of, you know, I we've had an incredible amount. I mean, you just look at it. I've had the opportunity to coach three All-Americans at this at Oswego State and, uh, and a number of good players at, at my last job before that at Keystone. Um, and, um, you know, the job at Keystone that I had was very important in my career because that was a household name and, you know, it was a place where my mistakes weren't magnified. So I really learned a lot on the fly as a young head coach there and, you know, got fortunate with some guys that nobody really wanted that ended up being good players. And, you know, any coach that, you know, has some sort of success is, I mean, we all know it's, it's the players that, that put in the work and that are talented, you know, um, and then you're just trying to provide, you know, provide them some guidance and, you know, the areas of player development and a little bit with tactics, but the most important thing is bringing them along as people because uh, so much of, you know, sports is, you know, the way you act and the way that you, you know, conduct yourself on a day-to-day basis. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, the, the record is just a product of having good players. I don't really draw upon, you know, any of the, the wins or losses that we had in the past only because, I think every team takes on a new identity, Dan, and, and this year's team is, to be perfectly frank with you, unlike any other team that I've ever coached, not in a good or bad way, but we just, you know, um, we just are, we, we have a mix of uh, some, some a lot of new faces here, uh, probably as many new faces as I've had since my second year at, at Keystone, you know, when we brought in 11 recruits. So this year we brought in nine. So it's it's just, we've had a lot of, challenges thus far you know so it's hard for me to draw upon okay well i handled this and did this this way uh you know it's it's not really applicable in this case but i will say the one thing that's good is um part of the things good and bad that you deal with when you have had a little success is our guys do expect to win and that takes a long time to get a team to play that way um and i and i, and I have mentioned two or three times on this interview you know one thing is that you know, we are circled on everybody's schedule as a team because we've had a little bit of success um, that we're getting a lot of people's uh, best shots, you know, and, and that's a good thing as well. But we've got to learn how to handle that as well, you know. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know if that answers your question, but, I, you know, that's, those, are, those numbers are all a product of, of the great players that we've had. You know, when you have an All-American at this level, I've been fortunate you know, for I've been here six years, um, and this is my seventh. But out of the six years, I, uh, you know, I've had an All-American on my team every single year. 
you know, and this is the first year we don't have an All-American. So, you know, that's <laughs> that plays a role in things. You know what I mean? When constantly you have the best player on the court every night, that gives you a chance to win, you know, uh, almost every night. Uh, so and we've got some really good players this year, but I don't know if we have any All-Americans, you know, so. With the team that you do have, with, with all the youth that has come on to the team, and like you said, having a bunch of freshmen come in, I know that it's it's very early on, but what have you taken away from them? Because not just games, but seeing them in practice every day and in preparation going into game time, record's not going to adequately show everything that you're seeing on a day-to-day basis. So what have the freshmen shown you at this point? Well, we've got a, uh, a freshman point guard, Liam Sanborn, that's gotten thrown into the mix uh, earlier than we thought. Um, you know, Similar to Brian Sortino, who we graduated, we thought we had a really good – recruit uh, that we could build our freshman class around in, in Liam. Uh, but similar to when Brian got here, we didn't know he was going to be as mature um, as what he was. And, and that's resulted in him playing 30 minutes every night. He's averaging double figures for us uh, in his first four games. Um, so, you know, that's been a pleasant surprise. And uh, you know, I'm excited because Liam's going to have an opportunity to be our point guard for four years. And he's going to cut his teeth this year. Um for better or for worse, uh, you know, he's going to he's gonna learn a lot about himself and a lot about college basketball and his freshman year just by being on the court all the time. So so I'm really excited about that. Um, we've got some other freshmen as well that right now are, are, are going through what a lot of freshmen go through. They're learning about college basketball, about uh, how to prepare each and every day, and, and a lot of them have to get stronger. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, they're – they're learning a lot. I'm learning a lot about them, and, and we've got to get them better. You know, um, they've, we've, we've got to put in our methods of player development and have them work at it and, and kind of go from there, you know. That coming from Jason Leone, the head coach of the Oswego State Lakers men's basketball team. Jason, before I let you go, to go off of what you were saying with that, like you said, you're going to cut, cut teeth for better or worse in a true freshman season. When you have adversity and you have these moments when you're bringing in a lot of new faces and trying to figure out what the dynamic's going to be, you know as a head coach, as well as I know, that from the outside looking in, there's people that, that do the job that I do, and they, they'll look at a team and say, okay, well, they're not functioning now, they're terrible, this team's going to be bad forever where I look at a team and say, okay, this team's having some adversity. There's young guys getting opportunities. This will eventually breed success because they were thrown into the fire at a very young part of their career. So to look at that notion of the fact that for better or worse this season, there's going to be lessons learned. How many dividends, how well can that pay off in the future being at that head coaching seat and knowing that when guys get pushed in the beginning and maybe they don't like it, they end up pushing back eventually if they're made of the right stuff. Yes, I think that that's, that's one very valuable thing that happens. And uh, you know, I'm confident that that'll happen with our team, you know. So, um, you know, I'm excited. You know, we're, we, we have a day off today, and uh, I'm excited to see these guys tomorrow. And um, we have, as I told them, we have a lot to play for, you know. Um, I just, you know, again, I, I don't, you know, want them to feel any pressure or to um, feel like, you know, every game is, you know, do or die because it's just not, we're never going to be at that point in the season. You know what I mean? Our, our whole thing 
as cliche as it is, is we're trying to have daily improvement, you know, and the team's improving. We've shown a lot of signs and the guys deserve credit for that. Right now, we're the biggest thing we're learning how to do is to be resilient. And we have not learned how to fully grind out 40 minutes, uh, all the things we need to do to win. You know, we're not a team that right now is you know, we're not grinding hard enough. You know, we're not doing the little things that teams do that want to win games on the road. You know, we're, for instance, last night we played a game at Nazareth. Uh, they shot the ball exceptionally well. Part of that was our defense. Part of that was they, they played well. Um, there was multiple times in the first half where the ball was loose or we made good plays defensively with deflections and we just don't come up with those balls. And then, you know, routinely, they end up scoring because of our mishaps. Um, and, you know, it's hard. You know, halfway through the first half, we were tied 17 apiece, and they went on a run where they kind of punched us in the gut a little bit, and we didn't have uh, the fight back that we needed, you know. And we didn't, and, and we got down 19. We came out the second half. We made our run. We had, uh, we got the thing down to six points. And, uh, you know, we ended up losing, uh, but, you know, I'm trying to get that second half team out of our that second half that we played out of our team uh, for a full 40 minutes. We had that up at Clarkson, a tough place to play last Tuesday. We won by 16. It was a really emotional and, and good win for our team. And most importantly, Dan, it was an opportunity for them to have um, a, a something to uh, to look at now and say, okay, that's the measuring stick. Um, for the way that we need to play and be emotionally invested in what we're doing and, and, and physically invested in what we're doing. And, you know, they, that, that gave them confidence. And then, you know, this team, we needed to keep playing. Then we went home for two days. And when we got back, we, to dial that up again uh, was a challenge for us, you know. And, and again, we're, we're playing a Nazareth team on the road that's probably going to win. 17, 18 games this year. So it's not like we were playing chop liver. I mean, if they did a Vegas line on the game, which they don't do at our level, you know, Naz was probably favored in the game um, just based on they've got a veteran team. You know what I mean? So, you know, we're, we're, we're getting there, you know, we're going to get there, you know, and, and uh, you know, it's just a matter of when it's not a matter of if to me. And to look at that, to have that a matter of when and not if moving forward, you can see the Oswego State Lakers team play at home against Oneana in Max Zeal Gymnasium this coming Tuesday, December 5th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. They will be on the road from there and back at home in the new year. So if you don't go and see them on December 5th, it's going to be a little bit of time, and then it will be January 12th against Potsdam on a Friday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Jason, as always, it's a pleasure to speak with you. I know that there's a lot of road games to come and a lot to be learned on this team moving forward. If there's anybody to lead them, I know it's you. And I look forward to having you back on the show to discuss what happens from here as the team looks to learn and grow moving forward in this season for 2017-18. Okay, thanks for all you do, Dan. I appreciate you having me on. All right, sounds good. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. That coming from Jason Leone once again. Jason Leone, the head coach of the Oswego State Lakers men's basketball program and one heck of a human being. I want to thank him for being a part of the show. I know that the team is, like he said, going through some adversity right now. The team's not used to losing 
and they have some new faces. So you got the new faces on the broadcast, or on the broadcast. You have the new faces on the court trying to figure things out together with the returning guys. You have the returning guys saying, we were 21-7. and seven. We're not used to taking this thing called a loss that much. And so it's about the guys that have been there navigating through things that they're not used to and the guys coming in trying to find their place. It's a lot of stuff going on, and they will learn together and if they learn together and can grow together, then this team can do anything. I believe anybody that can learn and grow together can achieve, accomplish anything in life. It just takes that opportunity of literally rising through the fire and becoming something special instead of succumbing to it. So this team moving forward, hope the best for Jason Leone and the Oswego State Lakers. So much coming up with local basketball. You know when it's women's, men's basketball be it Cortland or Cornell or OCC or Oswego or Lemoyne or Syracuse, it is my pleasure to bring these schools to you. And if you didn't hear your school's name in that and you want me to talk to coaches in the area in upstate and central New York, send me one over. If it's Binghamton, Brockport, whoever it may be, let me know about it and we'll do what we can on our end to make sure that we make it happen and get them on the airwaves. I want to thank Mike Wheeler and Jason Leone And a big shout out to everybody that's working very diligently and very hard to have success all around upstate and central New York and beyond. We'll take a fast break and we will spin back around with some conversation on the college basketball and football world. And then you'll hear from Syracuse's team coming off of a big win at the right time for the Orange. This is a wake-up call fast break. Hey, Wake Up Call listeners, this is Tom Taylor, owner of Sammy Malone's, located at 2 Oswego Street in Baldwinsville, New York, overlooking the beautiful Seneca River. We proudly open our doors to you seven days a week, beginning at 11 a.m. daily, with free parking. Whether it's game day, after work drinks, or a meal with family and friends, we are honored that you come visit us. Call 315-635-5407 for parties and catering. I'll see you at Sammy Malone's, home of the best sandwich in Beeville. Hi, this is Domenico Vitali, owner of Giovanni's Formalware, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse next to the Ponderosa Plaza where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formalwear. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. It would be a pity if you don't shop. For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing 
their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your events, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica thing. Proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Hope you're doing well today and hope you're enjoying a very blessed day here in the world, wherever you're listening from. We have listeners that have been listening in Germany, England, Spain, Canada, Mexico, Russia, China, all over the place, all over the world. And I want to thank you all for tuning in to the broadcast. I want to thank everybody on the West Coast, the Midwest, the East Coast. Thank you for waking up with us and hanging out with us. And of course, my second home of Florida. Big shout out and a big love and a big thanks to you. And of course, near and dear to my heart, my home, my people, my world, what I love and always come back to, Syracuse, Central, and Upstate New York. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. So thank you so much for listening in to the show every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time right here on MixLR.com backslash DT and on the homepage WakeUpCallDT.com where the MixLR live feed proudly broadcasts from. You can also have an opportunity on WakeUpCallDT.com right under the live MixLR broadcasting feed to download the RSS feed, the iTunes podcast, and the app itself, the Wake Up Call DT app, powered by Podbean. By clicking on any one of those pictures, you know, you got the little logos there, the link, you just click right on them, and it'll bring you directly where you need to be to download and listen to 790 shows and counting. Plenty for you to do. And with show downloads, we are heading toward 99,000 show downloads. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can go all the way back to July of 2012. And the as time has gone by, I have done more shows. So back in 2012, we were doing we were doing a few shows here and there, then 13, a little bit more, then 14, 15, 16, 17. I've done over 200 broadcasts live, not including any on-location broadcasts at Lee's and Staggerwald or any of the stuff that we do uh, with the Oswego State coaches or Dale Shackelford or Rob Drummond. Not including any of those, we have surpassed 200 shows of when I'm doing Wake Up Call with Dan Satora Monday through Friday from 9 to 11 a.m. Just in 2017 alone. Just here in 2017 alone. So a big shout out and a big thank you to each and every single one of you for 200 plus broadcasts and counting in 2017 and to all the work that I have put into broadcasting and writing and just being in this this world that I love to be in for the past 14 years, I also want to uh, thank you all for supporting my company, Dan Tortora Broadcast Media, where Wake Up Call and Super Powered Pop and everything is under the umbrella and game show night and our trivia nights. I want to thank you for your support of the company, Dan Tortora Broadcast Media, because it is about five and a half years old, and it was an idea that I would do. I, I knew I was going to do it. There was no if, there was no, well, what if I, I just did it, you know? And even, and, and the thing about me, there's certain people, there's people that'll say, what if, what if, what if, and they won't move. 
There's people that won't say what if, they just won't do anything. And there's people like me who say what if, but they continue to build despite. I could be worried, I could be scared, I could be terrified, traumatized, out of my mind. But I never quit. I never stop. I always do it. And it is that fire and that fervor and that desire and that want to that's gotten me to where I am today. So for all of you that have joined me on the journey, I want to thank you for that. And for all of you that are on your own personal journey, journey as a family, journey as a team, journey as whatever, please know that I'm there with you too. And I'm hoping and I'm praying the absolute best for you. I said I will support everyone and anyone who does good in this world. If you're not doing nice things, you're not going to get my my support because I you know I'm not going to support somebody go out there and hurt other people. But if you're doing things <clears throat> to the best of your ability, you're trying, you're fighting. What I've learned in this world is if you do good things, bad things, or somewhere in between, you will always be hated by somebody. But if you're doing good things. You will find support, love, passion, desire, want to surrounding you. And as much as people who do bad things think that they have support and that they have love, it is always a very shaky, shaky situation. Hate cannot support love. Love cannot support hate. It's one or the other. And I choose to believe that love is stronger than hate because 32 plus years of my life has taught me such. So be good to one another. And know that if you're doing good in this world, I got your back. Because I'm doing the same thing. And we're going to bring it every single day. So thank you to Mike Wheeler. Thank you to Jason Leone. Thank you to all the coaches around Central and Upstate New York for the work that you're putting in. Whether it's paying off or not in wins and losses, thank you for the work that you're doing. Somebody's got to lose a game and somebody's got to win a game and you can't win every game. Jim Boeheim's won over a thousand, but he's lost a bunch too. He's lost a lot less than he's won, but he hasn't won every game. Coach K hasn't won every game. Roy Williams hasn't won every game. John Wooden didn't win every game. The best of the best still know what it feels like to get punched in the mouth. And it can make you a better person or it can make you somebody who's bitter and doesn't work hard. So cheers to those of us that say, wow, this sucks. Don't like what it feels like to get punched in the mouth and get right back up and go to work. And don't focus on punching back in the mouth what punched you in the mouth you just go on with your life those who focus on revenge you don't achieve much those who focus on self-worth self-appreciation sense of self who care about everything around them irregardless of whether or not it cares about them those are the people that have success So cheers to success, cheers to a good life, and thank you so much for tuning into the show because it means the world to me. It really honestly does. So thank you. Moving forward in the morning menu, proudly presented by The Market Diner on 2100 Park Street 
in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny USA. I told you I wanted to talk a little bit more about the collegiate world, and we've been talking college basketball. I'm going to take a little break here to talk some college football, just because of the fact that, you know, I, I feel like we didn't, I didn't get into every game I really wanted to reach out to. So I want to do that now in week 13 in what just happened recently here and discuss this with you a little bit. Some of the games that stood out to me. You know, I know I, I know I said a little bit about this, but Pittsburgh defeating Miami, massive game, huge game for Pitt, five and seven. If the nation had room for five and seven, they would be calling Pittsburgh after this game. And, you know, I this was just they they didn't give Miami any shot in this game. They didn't give them any chances in this game. They took care of business. They did a hell of a job. Kenny Pickett, the freshman quarterback. They've been going with Ben DiNucci and Kenny Pickett, trying to figure out who fits. Well, Kenny Pickett ends this game against Miami 18-29, a touchdown, no interceptions, two rushing touchdowns, accounting for three scores for the for three touchdowns for Pitt. The only three touchdowns Pitt had in the game. Shows a lot of good signs for Kenny Pickett in the future, and maybe he is the guy. You know, he took down an undefeated Miami team. Baylor and TCU, you know, Baylor has had a, a really rough go at it this season. In the first season with Matt Rule, who really turned around Temple. You know, some good things are being done at Temple with Steve Adazio, who was there for a short time. And then Matt Rule came in. Temple used to be the bottom of the barrel. There's 130 FBS teams, Division One A college football teams. If you lost to Temple, you were considered one of the worst teams in the country. Every year that Syracuse played Temple. If Syracuse lost to Temple... Fans were like, oh my God, I didn't know we were this bad. And now Temple is that team you don't want to play, you know, under Matt Rule. Well, he goes to Baylor, takes a job at Baylor, you know, and he inherits a job that, you know, there was all this like behind the scenes scandal and issues going on off the field and yada yada. And he takes over a team that goes 1-11 and on the season. So to see if Matt Rule is going to turn this thing around, pay close attention to next year and see if this team gets to six wins, gets to you know, starts the season off 3-0 and or gets to 5-whatever and whatever and, and moves forward from there. I, I'm very interested to see, because Matt Rule did a hell of a job at Temple. I want to see if he could turn this team around. You can't get much worse than 1-11. and There's only one other bad step to 0-12. I think watching Baylor next year is going to be an interesting, interesting thing. So circle it. Baylor and Texas, if they're not one of your favorite teams and you never watch them, just just humor me that you circle them for 2018 just to see what Matt Rule does there. Other games I wanted to discuss, I discussed South Florida and UCF at length. I did a live post-game show. You can hear it on wakeupcalldt.podbean.com. You could go to wakeupcalldt.com and click on the RSS feed, the iTunes podcast, or the app powered by Podbean, and it'll bring you to the show as well. Virginia Tech and Virginia. This game was not what I thought it was going to be. Virginia Tech winning the game didn't surprise me, but to win the game 10 to nothing. Neither offense did much anything. Massive defensive game. Very, very quiet game. I can't believe that Virginia got shut out at home in Charlottesville. That was a big surprise to me. Josh Jackson for Virginia Tech. One touchdown, one pick. Kurt, Ben Kurt, no touchdowns, no picks in the game. 50% completion percentage. 
One team ran the ball for 202 yards. That's Virginia Tech. Virginia ran the ball for five yards. Big sign of why they lost the game. Ran the ball for five yards. Virginia Tech's defense just shut it down. Neither receiving core was very strong. Virginia had 186. Virginia Tech had 143. So not a lot coming out of that. But Virginia fumbled the ball twice. They lost one of them. And they were unable to run the ball in the matchup. So, I mean, Virginia Tech just really shut them down, made them one-dimensional, and a one-dimensional team against Justin Fuente and Virginia Tech. I side with Virginia Tech every time in that type of situation because Virginia Tech is a darn good team and deserves to have a lot of respect. Outside of that, Navy and Houston. Navy just, they had a really haphazard season. They had a rough season. They're 6-5. and five. They got to play Army on December 9th. They're bowl eligible, and so is Houston. But darn it if Houston didn't come back and play one heck of a season in their first year under Major Applewhite as their head coach, their former offensive coordinator under Tom Herman, 7-4 and four they get back to. And Houston, was they were stumbling early on in the season, but they righted the ship. So, you know, whatever Major Applewhite was selling, they were buying, and that was huge. Alabama and Auburn wouldn't have been surprised if Auburn won the game. And they did in this one. Auburn taking down Georgia, who I didn't think was a consensus number one. And then they took down Alabama, who I think is the consensus number one. Shut them down. Huge game by Auburn. Just beautiful play. They worked their butts off in this game. Forced three Alabama fumbles and and recovered. Or, pardon me. Forced Alabama to fumble and lose the ball once had to make enough mistakes to get this game in their favor. The game started out with a touchdown from Auburn, and then they got a field goal right before halftime. They allowed a touchdown, so the game's 10-7 at the break. Then they go down 14-10, don't lose face. After going down 14-10 on Bo Scarborough's 21-yard run, just a minute and change, in a minute 38 into the second half. Bo Scarborough scores a touchdown on the ground. After that, nothing. After the 13-22 mark of the third quarter, Auburn's defense did not allow Alabama to score again. And they got two touchdowns and a field goal. So the offense took care of business. The defense took care of business. Played a complete game down the stretch. Did not allow Alabama to score for the final 28 minutes and 22 seconds of the game. That's is a huge... It's not like they won the shootout in the final second on a Hail Mary. Auburn took care of business. They went. They were winning. They went down. They said, we don't like the way this feels. And they just shut it down in the second half. And huge credit to Auburn for the work that they put into this. I think Auburn is more than deserving of a look to get into the college football playoff. Clemson and South Carolina. Clemson embarrassed South Carolina in... South Carolina's home stadium, 34-10, to crazy game. Stanford and Notre Dame, I thought this was this would be a good one. It was pay, played in California, so Stanford playing a home game. They took care of business in this one and were able to win the matchup. Ohio State took down Michigan in a big way, 31-20 to in their game. Uh, Washington defeating Washington State, I think, clearly takes out Washington State from any type of contention or any type of statement. I think that, uh, you know, uh, we can look at the ranker now because the college football playoff ranker came up and we could see whether or not I agree with it, which I don't. Clemson is number one. 
I can agree with that. Okay. Auburn is number two. Oklahoma's three. Wisconsin's four. Alabama's on the outside looking in, and Georgia is sixth. Now, I can agree with this, and I can understand this, and Miami's out of it. Central Florida, I do not agree with. They have been ranked 18th, then in week two of the college football playoff rankings, 18th, then in week three, 15th, in week four, 15th, in week five, 14th. After playing one of the best games in college football, next to Alabama-Auburn, one of the best games in college football that was played on Turkey weekend, Thanksgiving weekend, was that game on Black Friday between USF and UCF at home, Central Florida, in Orlando. One of the best games, 49-42. to People that weren't fans of either side enjoyed this game and watched this game. I don't know if my dad ever knew that UCF and USF had football teams, and he's texting me during the game. He's like, are you watching this? He's like, oh my God, it's great. This is a And I called him up, and he's talking to me about the game, and he's like, it was just great play, one of the best games he saw, this, that, and the other. They go from 15th to 14th. The lack of respect is uncanny. Washington State gets beat by Washington, and Washington goes up four spots. Stanford beats Notre Dame and goes up nine spots? Really, bro? TCU goes up a spot for defeating Baylor, who is 1-11 this year. It's stupid. It's absolutely asinine and ridiculous. Penn State moved up a spot after beating Maryland 66-3. Oh my gosh, what a difficult game that you got to and won. I can't believe that you won that game. You should be so proud. That's such a wonderful accomplishment. I mean, it's what, what is a college football play? And it is. It's Power 5. Why even have other schools? Why even have anybody else? Why isn't it just the Power 5 conferences in Division 1A and then there's Division 1AA becomes everybody else? How about that? How about everybody else gets included in that? Because the level of respect is not there for the other schools. Clemson, I get it. Alabama lost. Clemson's only lost one game. I understand it. And Clemson only has one loss. Auburn has two. But Oklahoma? Oklahoma with Baker Mayfield, they lost to Iowa State, which is a lot better of a loss than Clemson losing to Syracuse. Okay? So you have to call it what it is. And you have to look at it for what it's worth. Oklahoma's loss to Iowa State is a lot less embarrassing than Clemson's loss to a four and eight win team or four and eight record Syracuse team. So Oklahoma for eleven and one and Clemson at eleven and one. Oklahoma should be first. Auburn should be second. Clemson should be third. Wisconsin, I understand why they're fourth. They're twelve and zero, but they didn't play a lot of. I mean, they they really didn't have to play ranked teams until the end. Now Alabama, I get it. I get them being fifth because. You can't argue Wisconsin's complete season. You can't argue Oklahoma and Baker Mayfield. You can't argue Clemson out of this. So it makes sense that Auburn, because of their weak schedule, are where they are. They played Florida State, who was ranked third in the country at the beginning of the season, and they stunk the rest of the way. They played Fresno, unranked. Colorado State, unranked. Vanderbilt, killed them. Mississippi, Ole Miss, nothing. Texas A&M, fired their coach, nothing. Arkansas, fired their coach, nothing. Tennessee, fired their coach, nothing. LSU was ranked in the top 20, but they lost to Troy this year. Mississippi State was ranked in the top 16 at the time of play. It was a good game, 31-24, but... You know, you look at that game and you say, okay, Alabama almost lost that game. Mercer, whatever, 56 to nothing, and then you lose to Auburn. 
So it makes perfect sense why Alabama is going to slide down a little bit. But the argument I've been trying to make that, you know, some people laugh off and think that I'm insane and other people are like, you're absolutely right, is the fact that Central Florida is the first team in the history of college football to go from 0-12 and go to and go two years later to 11-0. They can't be 12-0 in the regular season before the conference championship because of a hurricane. So they lost a game on their schedule. To go from 0-12 to 11-0, completely defeated to undefeated in two years' time, has never been done by any team in the Power 5 conference ever! <laughs> ever! Never in the SEC, never in the Big 12, never in the Big 10, never in the ACC, never in the Pac-12. Never, ever, 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 never, ever, ever. Okay? What Scott Frost has done with UCF in two years... They're 0-12, he gets there, they go 6-6 and and go to a bowl game. Then they go 11-0 and and are playing in the first conference championship in the AAC ever. And this man's been brought up in 972 different coaching conversations. And what do people say? Well, Dan, you said Wisconsin didn't play much of anybody, neither did Alabama. Who did UCF play? Well, they played Memphis, who beat UCLA. They played Memphis, who was ranked at the time of play. Yeah, Navy's had a tough season, but Navy's going to a bowl game. SMU's going to a bowl game. USF is going to a good bowl game. Memphis is ranked in the top 20 in the college football playoff rankings. So, yeah, I do see some good with UCF. I see the fact that they're playing against teams that are actually going to bowl games. Teams that are doing some good things this season. But the fact of the matter is, no matter how people want to shake it and how they want to sell it, the truth of the matter is, when you say power five, people have a certain connotation that goes with that. And when you say everybody else, people have a certain connotation that goes with that. So just call it what it is. People don't respect UCF because they're in the American Athletic Conference, which is not a Power 5 conference. But the argument for a Power 6 is here. And the majority of you in the poll that I put up on social media, I said, is it time for the American Athletic Conference to extend the conversation to a Power 6? The majority of you have said yes. So when I look at this, and even if you said no, I would have argued it, but it's nice to see that some people see my point. UCF, US, I mean, look, okay, seriously. UCF going to a bowl game. South Florida going to a bowl game. Temple wins in the 11th hour in the first season under Jeff Collins after Matt Rule. They're going to a bowl game. Memphis is going to a bowl game. Houston's going to a bowl game. Navy's going to a bowl game. SMU is going to a bowl game. Seven of 12 teams are going to a bowl game in the American Athletic Conference. And not because they're five and seven. There's only one team that's six and six. One. UCF eleven and zero. South Florida nine and two. Memphis ten and one. Only lost to UCF. Houston seven and four. Navy six and five going into their game against Army. SMU seven and five after being ugly and abysmal last season. In the third season under Chad Morris, this team has woken up. 
He kept preaching that it was going to take time and stay the course and stay the course and we have to stay the course. They were 2 and 10 in 2015. They were 5 and 7 in 2016, 7 and 5 in 2017 speaking on SMU. So yeah, there's a lot of good in the American Athletic Conference and this is it's not just a bunch of 6 and 6 teams that are barely squeaking by to get into a bowl game. Now, 7 of 12 the SEC, there's a little bit of a difference here. They have Georgia. They have South Carolina's played better this year, right? Missouri and Kentucky are going to bowl games. Auburn and Alabama are going to go to a bowl game. LSU and Mississippi State, Texas A&M. Texas A&M, head coach is gone. Mississippi State, head coach is gone. Arkansas, head coach is gone. Florida, head coach is gone. Tennessee, head coach is gone. This team is going, or this conference is going toward firing seven coaches as opposed to the American Athletic Conference that's trying to hold on to their coaches. And if the American Athletic Conference sucks so bad and they're so terrible and they deserve no respect, then why is Scott Frost on the lips of people who were talking about the Florida job before Dan Mullen took it? Why do you speak about Mike Norvell of Memphis? Why is there a conversation about Charlie Strong, who's only been in South Florida for a year after being fired from Texas? Why, why, why is Chad Morris of SMU, who's got his first winning season in three tries, why is he on there? Why is it a consistent thing that the American Athletic Conference has to deal with change of coaches? If the Power Five is so much better than everything that is the American, then why does the Power Five seek American athletic coaches to have success? Why do they fire their coaches and go after the American Athletic Conference coaches? Why? Why? Because those coaches breed success. And if the coaches in a conference breed success, then the conference breeds success. And if the conference coaches have respect, then why doesn't the conference have respect? It makes absolutely, positively no sense. No sense. It's like hiring a bunch of actors that have the same agent to be in the Avengers movies. You hire the first one, the second one, the third one, the seventh one, and you don't give any respect to the agent who represents them all. Yet, these are the best actors. These actors are worth $10 million, $50 million, $30 million per movie. But when somebody asks you about the agent, you go, nah, take it or leave it. They're not that great of an agent. That's exactly what the American Athletic Conference is being treated like. They're representing all of these coaches, and the coaches are representing them. And at the end of the day, if you desire and yearn for their coaches, then you're admitting that you respect the work they've done, and the work they've done is in a conference. And if the conference is insignificant, then why do you care what the coach has done? If the coaches are 11-0 and playing poop talent, why do you want them on your team? Why do you want them leading your program? Why would Florida or Nebraska want Scott Frost if he's beating teams in the American that are wimpy, stupid, ins insignificant specks of teams? Because apparently they're not. Evidently they're not. You cannot respect a coach in the conference without respecting the conference itself. Because it's not like Scott Frost is running the table and everybody else sucks. Seven of them are going to bowl games. Seven of 12. That's more than half for those of you that are playing the mathematical home game. So, start to respect 
the American Athletic. Because the Big 12, okay, they've done some good things this year. But across the board, how do they hold how, how do they hold up across the board? How many championships in in the NCAA tournament have West Virginia, Texas, Oklahoma State, TCU and Oklahoma? How many have they raised above their head lately? How many? Besides Kansas, how many? And how many college football playoff championships has the Big 12 won? So, and the Big 12, correct me if I'm wrong, took coaches from the American Athletic, and there was a time where it looked like the Big 12 was going to try and poach the entire institution and not just the coach from the American Athletic. So if the American Athletic's institutions stink and their coaches stink, then why do people want them so bad? So UCF bare minimum right now, when I go back to the rankings, and I'm going to be fair, they have no losses. Wisconsin's played almost nobody for the majority of the season, and they're in the college football playoff. So humor me. UCF hasn't had an embarrassing loss, and they haven't had a quality loss. They haven't had any losses. How is Stanford at 9-3 and three better than UCF? Oh, they beat Notre Dame. Okay, Notre Dame's 9-3 and three too. How is UCF not as good as TCU? How is UCF worse than Penn State who won, who lost on the road, pardon me. And let me go to this, hold on. Lost on the road to Ohio State and to Michigan State. Yeah, damn it, they were close games. Okay, but UCF doesn't have a loss. How is UCF not as good as Ohio State who lost on the road to an unranked Iowa team by 31 points? Not by three, by 31. You can argue with me, Penn State, but you can't argue with me, Ohio State. I'm just curious. I'm just curious. I'm curious. How does UCF not deserve to play in a New Year's Day Bowl? They better. They better. I would not want to play UCF right now. Well, Dan, look at the conference and look at the blah, blah, and like... Look at the offense, look at the defense. There are a lot of teams that try to go fast. UCF fast. Orange is the new fast. Wake Forest fast. Fast, fast, fast. Who's doing it better than anybody right now? Why? Because they play defense too. Yeah, the game against South Florida, that was back and forth. That was a dogfight. These teams know each other. Okay? I expected there to be more scoring than maybe usual. But UCF, not only have they not lost, they're not playing in a lot of close games. FIU, 61-17. Maryland, on the road against a Big Ten team. Well, Dan, they're at the bottom of the Big Ten. I don't care. Are they in the Power Five? 38-10. If this was such a terrible conference with terrible institutions, how did UCF go to Maryland and beat them by 28 Points, four touchdowns. Memphis, top 20 ranked team, 40 to 13 win. At Cincinnati, 51 to 23. East Carolina, 63 to 21. At Navy, very few teams win at Navy. In Annapolis, Maryland, 31 to 21. Austin P won by 40. And don't laugh at the Austin P game when Alabama's playing Mercer. 
SMU at SMU, 31 to 24. Connecticut, 49 to 24. At Temple, 45 to 45 to 19. USF 49-42 came back. And their special teams won that game. So you can look at these games and go, Dan, who cares about Connecticut? Who cares about East Carolina, Cincinnati, Austin P? It's about how they won the games. They're winning games like Power 5 teams are winning games. They're winning games substantially. Power 5 teams beat Austin P by 40, 50, 60 points. That's what UCF did. Power 5 teams take care of business on the road against unranked teams. Oh, I'm sorry. Did Ohio State not do that against Iowa? But UCF did it against Maryland. But Ohio State's so much better than UCF. But they have two losses. Interesting. Interesting. If you're going to be impartial, be impartial. Or just get on the mic and say... The college football playoff is for the Power Five. We're going to create a separate playoff for everybody else. If you're going to be real, be real. Don't be half real. We'll take a step aside here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. When we come back from this fast break and the great partners that I'm proud to work with in the central and upstate New York community, you will hear from the Syracuse Orange Following a key win at a key time for the Syracuse team, you will hear from their players, and I'm very excited to be sharing these opportunities with you, and I'm excited for what we got coming up here in just a couple moments. You are going to be hearing from Tyus Battle, Frank Howard, O'Shea Brissett, and Barama Sidibe following their win over Maryland. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Utica Pizza Company spells family, your family, my family, their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu. We'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens... They're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Gear up with the real deal at Dreisig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at drysigapparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. The Pennon Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Pennon Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding 
wedding ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Pennant Trophy Center, 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories last a lifetime. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. The name Leeson Staggerwald is synonymous with Central New York with over 80 years of service to the community. Leeson Staggerwald Downtown is your butcher, grocery, pub, and deli located on 117 East Fayette Street in Syracuse, New York. Minutes from the Carrier Dome in your perfect pre-gaming headquarters with Rob Drummond and myself, Dan Tortora, two hours before home games. Leeson Staggerwald Downtown, where you can dine in, take out, pre-game up on the hill with their meats or pre-game inside their walls. Lee's and Staggerwald downtown, a unique experience for every single fan and every member of the community with over eight decades of service. They're open Monday from 10.30 a.m. to 3 p.m., Tuesday through Thursday from 10.30 a.m. to 8 p.m., Friday 10.30 a.m. to 9 p.m., Saturday noon to 9 p.m., and closed on Sunday on 117 East Fayette Street in Syracuse, New York. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Happy to be here with you on the broadcast every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Thank you so much for tuning in to the show and being a part of the show. It truly means a lot, and I very, very much appreciate your time, your energy, your enthusiasm, and your positivity. We don't have to agree on everything, but we can be positive every time. So, that's the positive side of it. I always try to look at the bright side of things to the best of my ability. And when I don't, then my wife reminds me that I need to. So I got a good wife and I have somebody that commands the best out of me. And I'm very proud to say that I have that in my life and I'm very thankful for it. So with that being said, moving on here in the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny USA. It is now time in the show to hear from your Syracuse Orange in my one-on-one conversations. I feel proud, honored, and very appreciative to God to have the opportunity to walk into the locker room and speak with these players for years on end. And on today's broadcast, you're going to hear my one-on-one conversations with Barama Sidibe, Frank Howard, O'Shea Brissett, and Tyus Battle following their statement win over Maryland. I understand that Maryland has had their moments and that in the rankings right now, you don't see the name Maryland, nor do you see the name Syracuse in the rankings. But beyond that, it's the fact that this team is very young. And young in playing together, Young in the fact that Pascal Chukwu really hasn't played much of any time going into this season with Syracuse. He had to sit out after coming over from Providence, and then he got injured and had to have eye surgery, which looks like he's been doing well, God bless him, from that and having to wear goggles for the rest of his career. So Pascal didn't have a lot of time. 
Matthew Moyer was a redshirt freshman. Geno Thorpe wasn't on the team last year. He's on South Florida. He's a graduate transfer. And then you have fr- true freshman Barama Sidibe, Marek Dolezal, as well as Howard Washington Jr. and O'Shea Brissett. So really, you got Tyus Battle and Frank Howard coming back trying to lead this team, right? And lead it, they have, to 6-0 and at this point, which has been huge for the team early on in the season. This game was a game that I said going into it right here on the show. I said, Syracuse facing Maryland is going to show us where both teams are at. It's going to show us where Syracuse is right now. It's going to show us where Maryland is. It's going to depict to us where these teams are a few games into the season. It's going to show if I thought it was going to be a closely matched game. And we were going to see if Syracuse could respond to to their biggest test that they've had so far this season. And respond, they did. 20 lead changes. 15 ties. 10 lead changes in the first half. 10 lead changes in the second half. 8 ties in the first half. 7 ties in the second half. This game was back and forth. More so than maybe any other game you've seen Syracuse play in recent history. And probably not as much as 20 lead changes and 15 ties. I don't know if I've ever written that in a story I've written about Syracuse in recent history for basketball. Yet, Syracuse withstood the test of time, and a team that's led by returning Tyus Battle and Frank Howard and everybody else having relative newness to this outside of Pascal Chukwu for a few games, this team showed how they could come together, be resilient, and find a way to win the game. And credit to them for the work that they put in to win this matchup. First and foremost in the conversation is Barama Sidibe on the resolve of the team to withstand 20 lead changes and 15 ties. What it told him about the team. I mean, that's all, that's all the basketball is about. So we have to fight every day. No matter what situation is, we have to fight to get a win. What did you learn from a game like this? What did you take away from it? Uh, I learned that like, I have to be sometimes not trying to block every shot, just stay on the floor. And I learned that like a lot of people from our team, they, they, they really can play. So, When you look at, like you said, you know, uh, as far as being smart with the fouls and whatnot, fouling out of the last two games combined, you don't want to play back from it because obviously you're a good shot blocker. So how do you kind of adjust your game to make sure that you're still being aggressive but smart with the fouls? Uh, I mean, sometimes I know sometimes those things are going to happen because sometimes the ref, ref also calls some foul that's not even close. So I just got to stay aggressive no matter what station. I know sometimes I'm going to get fouled out, but I got to stay aggressive. What did you learn from your teammates in this game, the resolve of, of everybody that nobody gave up in the game? I mean, everybody's... I I mean, everybody can count themselves countable in the team because everybody can do something. If we put them together, we're going to win no matter what situation is it. Going on the road, just what you think about that? You'll be away from home for the first time. I think we're going to do great because a lot of people don't are not used to play this to play against the zone. So I think we're going to do great against any team. So. That coming once again from Barama Sidibe. Now, he has fouled out, and we spoke about that in the conversation one-on-one that you just heard following the game against Maryland. We had that conversation about him fouling out in back-to-back games and just being smart. And He's somebody that wants to go after it. The thing is, in the exhibition games, the preseason games, the officials let him attack the ball 
and didn't call a lot of fouls. Now, in this game, I felt like there was too many fouls called. Overall, there was 21 fouls called on Maryland and 18 called on Syracuse. The irony about this is this is like the hundredth time that this has happened in a game for me is that I'm watching the game firsthand at the Dome, on site, seeing it as it develops, and I walk out of that game feeling like Syracuse got called for 40 fouls and Maryland got called for 10. And then you look at the statistics, Maryland got 21 calls and Syracuse got called for 18. So Syracuse was called less, but it just felt like there were those times where Barama was attacking, trying to block a shot, and he was called for a foul. Now, he just said he has to be smart. He's fouled out of back-to-back games. One game with 3.35 to go. This game with a little over six minutes to play. So he's got to be smart in that situation, especially when they get into ACC games and the physicality of all of that. But at this point, the team, even in losing Barama, didn't lose their cool. Didn't lose their want and their desire to win. Now, you could say, well, Dan, Barama's not a big-time scorer on this team yet. He's not somebody that if he leaves, oh my God, how are they going to get the ball in the basket? Yeah, but Barama does a lot of work. He tries to take care of that center. He tries to guard guard out that right in front of the basket. He's doing what he can to block every single shot. And having somebody like that that's that tenacious, you feed off that energy. So Syracuse, I will say, responded very well to losing their big man with about six minutes, 6.30 to go. I think it was 6.32 to go. Next up on the conversation is Frank Howard on what he could say about the resolve of the team. What did he take away from 20 lead changes and 15 ties and gutting out a win by two over Maryland? Uh, you know, this, this game was great for us. You know, we need these type of games early. And, you know, uh, it was hard, you know, hard in those games and those dog fights. And, you know, uh, we, we continue to fight through the adversity. You know, we want to stay calm, you know. They, they went on a 20 0 run. You know, we still want to be calm and come down and get in our set and, and, and execute. What did you learn about your teammates in this game? Oh, uh, man, that we'll always be good, you know what I mean, in terms of with our passion and, and, our, and our fight, you know what I mean? So, and every guy, every, every one of the guys was crashing the boards hard and, you know, uh, doing their assignment. So, you know, I'm happy with him. And as far as O'Shea Brissett, just so we can see it, say about how he attacks inside and just. What he brings to the game, what he brings to the team this year. Yeah, he's growing every game. You know what I mean? He's getting better. You know, ball handling, shooting, and uh, he's finishing better, you know. Still taking a few, you know, off-balance bad looks, but he's young. You know what I mean? And we're all doing that. But, uh, you know, I'm just happy the way he fought. You know what I mean? And you heard me say that a lot, a lot about this team. You know what I mean? Whether shots fall or not. I think we shot, we shoot 218 or something, 318. Yeah, like. Teams don't win those games, you know, so you know I'm happy with the way we, we defended and fought tonight. Frank Howard once again with that conversation one-on-one with me following the victory over Maryland. In the game, once again, the scoring from Frank Howard, so much more than what it used to be. Six of 17 from the field. He was one of seven from three-point. So take that away and focus on the interior part of it. He was 5 of 10 inside the arc. So 50% inside and then 1 for 7 outside. He had 5 rebounds, 10 assists, 15.7 steals. He did have 4 turnovers, but he was just shy of a triple-double in points, assists, and steals. And the last time Syracuse did it with points, assists, and steals, it's been been a while. So a big shout-out to Frank Howard and his efforts. I know the 3-point shot wasn't really falling for him or a lot of the guys in this game, 
but the effort that he put in across the board was huge. And to get seven steals to try and make up for four turnovers and to have 10 assists, big because you know he's the point guard so he's got to be dishing out and finding his guys but this year more than any other year he's looking for his shot in this game he was the most balanced in looking for his shot and finding his teammates in good positioning to cash in on their shots and obviously they have to make them but he helped provide which you know big shout out to him for the work that he put in for that I think this was his most complete game but he does have to as always he needs to minimize those turnovers because the turnovers will get you in some of these big time games coming up and could have gotten you easily in this game where two points separated you from winning or losing this game. Next up is O'Shea Brissett. I've been calling him three point play O'Shea and he had two of them in the second half of this game attacking the basket going up under the basket off balance getting hit and making the shot and the free throw to follow just what he could say about his his tenacity under the basket on these three point plays. That was just something that I like to do. I like to get get to the basket and score inside, just easy points. Um, but that's you know that's my game, driving and scoring inside. When you look at the fact that there was 20 lead changes and 15 ties, just what you could say about gutting it out in this one? <laughs> now that just goes to prove how you know great of a team Maryland is. We had our run, you know, and there was times where I thought you know the game was over, but then they would hit two threes and be right back in it. So it just shows you know the fight between both of us, Syracuse and uh, Maryland. You know, no, none of us ever let down. Even at the end of the game, you know they are still trying to make the runs, and you know we were, we were able to get those steals. What do you learn from your teammates in a game like this when it's you know clearly your hardest? spot win of the season? Yeah, everyone, everyone's calm. Everyone wants to win. Everyone was doing the right things to win. No one was trying to be the hero, per se. You know, we made the right passes. We got the ball to our best player, and he was able to make, make tough shots and uh, score for us. O'Shea Brissett once again coming up big for the Orange. 15 points in 40 minutes to equal Frank Howard. He was 5 of 18 from the field. Also equaling Frank, not good from three-point. He was 0 for 5. He had 13 rebounds in the game to equal Frank in this in the double-double category. Frank did it with assists and points. O'Shea did it with rebounds and points. O'Shea in six games has had three in, in the double-double scenario of points and rebounds. Back-to-back -back games, he's had a double-double, and he's had three in six. So 50% of the time, he's getting a double-double as a true freshman. Nine defensive rebounds, four offensive rebounds, two steals to one turnover, one personal foul in 40 minutes of play. So very smart on those. And 15 points to go with his 13 rebounds. Big-time play, O'Shea moving forward. Next up here is my conversation with Tyus Battle coming out of the game where a game ago against Toledo, he had to go out of the game after falling hard on his right side of his hip. He came into this game and played 37 of 40 minutes, 7 of 14 from the field, 50%, 2 of 5 from three-point, two rebounds, two assists, two turnovers, one steal, one block, and 18 points to lead the team in this matchup, including his three in the corner that helped secure a Syracuse victory down the stretch. Tyus Battle, one-on-one -on -one with me, starting off the conversation with what his takeaways were in the team's play in 20 lead changes and 15 ties. Then we'll take a fast break and wrap up the show. Here's Tyus Battle speaking on the resolve of the team with 20 lead changes and 15 ties in a two-point win over Maryland. 
Um, it was all about heart. You know, we had to we had to battle that one out. Um, they hit some big shots. We hit some big shots, and that's 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 why I love playing this game. You know, it's so so many momentum changing and stuff like that. So. Uh, Team with the most heart got it out and won the game. Herder obviously did well, seven to nine from three point. But just speak on your response to that three that you hit in the corner. Um, well, Fran Fran did a good job drawing the two defenders, and uh, I knew he was going to find me. So I just tried to space out and give him that room and space to hit me. And I just, uh, when I got the ball, I knew I had to knock it down. So. You spoke about leading and that you and Frank have to lead the team. Ask Frank what he learned from the rest of the team, what he learned from his teammates at a game where you got it out like this. What did you learn from the guys? Um, this, I think. I think we have a special group of guys, um, a lot of heart, and they play so hard. You know, O'Shea was, got huge rebounds. Brahma got some huge rebounds. Marek, big blocks always, hustling around and all that stuff. So they, they're always doing the little things, and um, that, that's what you have to do to win, to win games like this. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. This is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events giving you a reason to celebrate. The Penn & Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Penn & Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Penn and Trophy Center, 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories last a lifetime. Hi, this is Domenico Vitali, owner of Giovanni's Formalware, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 
315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse next to the Ponderosa Plaza where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored all at Giovanni's Formal Wear. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Happy to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Plenty to come up on tomorrow's show, Thursday, November 30th, the final day. Hard to believe it. I feel like it's gone by slowly in November, though. I felt like some of these months sped right by us, but I feel like November's been been slow. I've been able to kind of sit and appreciate it here. So we will wrap up November on tomorrow's broadcast, November 30th, on Thursday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. I will have Through the Looking Glass, proudly presented by Looking Glass Events, with a deeper look at a trending topic. And you can check out lgweddingsandevents.com in the meantime. Also look up Looking Glass Events on Facebook. Also on tomorrow's show, we have Papa Joe's Picks. Getting very excited about these championship games in college football. And FSU is not playing in a championship game, but they found a way to stay relevant this first weekend of December as they will play a game in hopes of getting to 6-6 six and six and wrapping up another bowl opportunity as they take on Louisiana Monroe in an extra game. They lost a game as well as all the other Florida teams because of Hurricane Irma. My prayers and my hopes go out to everybody to continue to heal from that. And God bless moving forward. So we will discuss Papa Joe's picks at 10 a.m. Eastern time, and we will have a full show of information of different topics of different things that I'm excited about. And throughout the day, I post what I'm going to be talking about. If there's an interview that's coming up, I share that with you as well. So do not be a stranger. Go to wakeupcalldt.com, subscribe there, become a member. Go to Facebook at WakeUpCallDT and like the page. Go to Twitter at CallDT, C-A-L-L-D-T, and follow me there. And follow me on Instagram at WakeUpCall underscore DT so you never miss an announcement and you never miss a moment. And, of course, become a member right here on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT so that you will be able to chat with me live in the chat room and so that every single time the show goes live, you'll be emailed to all your devices And all you have to do is click on your email and click listen live now. It's as simple as that. I'll talk with you all soon, and I can't wait to see you all for game show night. feel like I've been off for four weeks because we didn't do it during Thanksgiving. I've missed you all. I can't wait to get back in the community and hang out with you this Thursday, November 30th at 7 p.m. at Muddy Waters on 2 Oswego Street in Baldwinsville, New York. God bless you. Be good to one another. Have a great day. And please, love yourself. Respect yourself and be good to yourself. And if you have a hateful thing to say, keep your mouth shut. If you have a loving thing to say, why haven't you said it yet? God bless you and be well.